As the CEO of a multinational corporation, Rich Kramer is leading the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company through an evolution of mobility and transportation that is taking place around the globe. In his discussion, Kramer explains how and why Goodyear has grown from a tire company to a technology company, driving innovation and a new world of transportation. This event was made possible through the generosity of the Dr. Raj and Karen Agarwal Forum on International Business. Please enjoy the forum. Well, thank you. That was a tremendous introduction, Raj. Thank you so much for uh, uh, for doing that. And I would say, out of all those uh, uh, fun things or accomplishments I did, the one you left off, which is probably the neatest, is I got to christen three blimps. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so that was a that was a lot of fun as we replaced them all. Well. Again, I just want to say good evening, everyone. Really appreciate being here, Raj. Thank you for that invitation, for the invitation and the kind introduction, and to the Cleveland Council on World Affairs. I really appreciate that you have me today, here today. This is really an extraordinary organization, and I would say one of the cultural gems that we have here in Cleveland and in Northeast Ohio. It's it's really tremendous, and I will tell you. You know, when I when Raj asked me to do this, when and Karina asked me to do this, I went back and I did a little bit of research on the organization and some of the speakers that you've had. And I have to say, you've had some tremendous speakers here, some really interesting people. You've had ambassadors, you've had international diplomats, foreign policy specialists, global security experts, just to name a few. And I have to say, they're all really esteemed. So when I thought about it, it became really obvious to me that you'd want as your next speaker a guy from a tire company, you know? <laughs> so I'm gonna try to do my best here to do that. But I'll tell you, oh, is the mic not working? A little bit closer, okay, how's that? A little better? Okay, but I have to say I'm learning a little bit more on your mission to educate, engage, and inspire in order to foster greater understanding of world affairs I have to say, I felt really honored to be invited, and I'm grateful to be here this evening, so thank you. Now, more than ever, we're all truly global citizens, and businesses like ours are both global competitors and global collaborators. So tonight, I'd like to give you a clear picture of how disruptive changes in everything from trade and technology to, to geopolitical upheaval to consumer buying behavior are affecting global businesses from Goodyear's point of view as both a competitor and a collaborator in an evolving world of transportation and mobility. I'll also outline why we're excited about our future and confident that Goodyear will remain vital and in a position of leadership in this world of new mobility as tumultuous as the world is shaping up to be. And as a result, I hope you'll agree that Goodyear really is more than just a tire company. Now, as Karina mentioned, this year Goodyear is celebrating its 125th anniversary. We employ over 70,000 associates around the world. We manufacture our products in more than 50 factories in 23 countries and have sales operations in most regions of the world. We generate over 20 billion in sales, with about 40% of that coming from abroad. Now, whether you drove yourself here tonight, flew into Cleveland, or took an Uber or a bus, there's a good chance that you moved on Goodyear. 
We make and sell tires for consumer vehicles, commercial trucks, airplanes, and off-highway vehicles like giant mining and earth movers, although I have to say I didn't see too many of them in the parking garage tonight. We supply tires as original equipment for vehicle makers around the world and offer replacement tires through company-owned stores, aligned retailers, franchisees, and recently direct-to-consumer. We serve commercial truck operations with the largest and most comprehensive portfolio of not only products, but services and tools as well. And of course, we have more victories on racetracks around the world than any other tire company. Goodyear has industry-leading innovation centers on three continents and a chemical business that produces polymers and synthetic rubber for everything from tires to medical equipment and food handling. And as I said earlier, of course, we have the Goodyear blimps. Now, Goodyear's been a global company since its inception. Soon after our founding in 1898, we expanded into Europe, Asia, and South America. A few years ago, we celebrated our 100th year in Brazil. We've also been in Asia for about 90 years and have customers around the world who have been with us for just as long. That's really humbling when you meet them. But as you know, the environment in Brazil, in Asia, or anywhere else we do business these days feels much different today than it did 100 years ago, 90 years ago, or candidly, even 10 years ago. Now, Andy Grove, I'm sure many of you have heard of Andy Grove, the founder of Intel, he wrote about the concept of an inflection point. And he defined an inflection point as a decisive moment or event that marks a change so significant that nothing that follows it will ever be the same. So what I'd like to do is talk a little bit about where we are today and what I'd call the second inflection point of mobility. But first, let's take a step back to the first one. Now, Goodyear's founder, F.A. Cyberling, faced the first mobility inflection point when he launched the company back in 1898. Slowly and often begrudgingly, horses were starting to be replaced by automobiles. Though there was strong resistance to these noisy, unreliable, and often dangerous vehicles driving fast around, Cyberling recognized what this change could mean. Cars weren't just a new form of mobility, but a way to transform people's lives, to expand communities beyond cities, to move products over longer distance in less time. Cyberling and Goodyear's first CEO, Paul Litchfield, could envision new industries to support the adoption of mobilities as a result of this first inflection point of mobility. And I would tell you, there's no question that the Goodyear of today was born through the embrace of change and a vision of what was possible. Think of Goodyear as a startup company back in 1898. That's what we were. Now, fast forward 125 years, and we find ourselves at another inflection point in transportation and mobility, no less revolutionary, I would say, than the initial movement from a horse to a Model T. Now, when you think about the inflection point today, it's really a byproduct of three things, technology, connectivity, and convenience, the combination of which influences every part of our lives. So let's start with technology. And I'd say technology is obvious. From the device that you carry around in your pocket, 
let's say, to your car or to the wearable that you're wearing on your wrist. Technology is part of our lives in ways few of us could have imagined as recent as 15 years ago. Now think about that. Back in 2007, that's when Apple introduced its first iPhone. And since then, as you probably know, they've sold about 2 billion of them. And we all know we can't get away from it anymore, can we? We're, we're, we're looking at our phones all the time. And we have to say that chat GBT is coming, so we got to worry about that technology next. So, but Karina, that's a different topic, I think, to talk about. But technology, if we think about that, it opened the door to 24-7 connectivity and an always-on world where anyone can get anything at any time. We sharing of anything, as we know, is immediate, from news to photos to videos to product reviews, concert tickets, really, or even where you're standing or sitting. And technology and connectivity increase the desire and value of convenience. Now, we all know examples of this, right, from DoorDash to Amazon. And the convergence of these three factors is very apparent in mobility. The entire ride-sharing industry, in fact, is built upon it. You use technology to connect a ride service that meets you at a convenient location with minutes of you ordering it. Now, the integration of technology, connectivity, and convenience has completely changed business models around the world. It has forever altered consumer behavior and expectations, each of your behaviors and expectations, I would say, and mine too, and it has begun to affect the infrastructure needed to deliver on those expectations. Now, we could talk about a lot of those things, but two parts of that infrastructure affected are vehicles and tires. So to start with, let's talk about vehicles. Goodyear describes the changing nature of vehicles through an acronym called FACES, F-A-C-E-S. Now, F, F is for fleets of vehicles. Now, this could be a shared pool of cars, trucks or SUVs that are available for use on demand, or ride-sharing fleets such as Uber and Lyft that are accessible through a smartphone. Individual car ownership no longer seems to have the right of passage than it used to be, and my guess is those that have young kids out there know exactly what I'm talking about. And A, well, A is for autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars and trucks. Now, already there's a rapid innovation and adoption of autonomous cargo transportation and delivery with personal AVs coming closer to reality every day, and if anyone's been out to Chandler, Arizona to ride in a Waymo, maybe some hands, or in San Francisco on a cruise, you've, you've, you've seen it, it's actually happening, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Now C, C is for connected vehicles. Today's vehicles are, like a mobile are more like a mobile processor than they are a driving machine. Your car is already connected, certainly to your phone, to the vehicle manufacturer, and to the many apps tracking your location. And soon, we expect vehicles to be connected to the road itself and to the surrounding infrastructure. And E, E is for electric vehicles. Now, starting with Tesla, which was grossly underestimated initially, electric vehicles have literally turned the automobile industry upside down. And now we have many governments mandating their sole usage over the next decade, let's say. And think about it. Ten years ago, could anyone imagine an electric F-150 or a Hummer? I doubt it, huh? The world is changing. And finally, S, well, S is for sustainability. From reducing CO2 emissions to materials used to make them, sustainability is now a clear mandate for the auto industry and all of us who supply it. 
So it's clear that the shift to vehicle in the faces trend is here to stay, and I would suggest that it's growing. Now, let's address the impact that faces trends, that those faces trends have on tires and what this new inflection point means to Goodyear specifically. Now, Raj, you alluded to this. Tires are still the only product, or the only points of contact, I should say, between the vehicle and the road. And we view our product as an integral component of, of a complete vehicle system. Now, that's always been true, but it comes in even clearer focus when we consider these trends of faces. Now, at Goodyear, we've developed technologies to monitor and predict conditions in which a vehicle is operating. Now, as you know, every new vehicle comes with a tire pressure monitoring system. We've taken it a step further through a combination of sensors and proprietary algorithms that assess tire temperature, tire wear, and tire load. When we add our proven capability of accurately estimating road friction, we are able to provide real-time information to driving systems to help that vehicle and enhance its safety and its performance. Now let me give you an example. Here's what I'm talking about. Imagine a tire that can, to, that can tell your vehicle not only that your inflation is low, but can sense that you're carrying 500 pounds of cargo on tires with worn tread, driving on icy roads, and automatically adjusts your vehicle and speed and handling while you're sitting back and enjoying the ride. That is already starting to happen. And I would say we're only on the front end of that. I'd have you think about the possibilities for autonomous vehicles. As I said, most passenger AVs currently in use are in Arizona where it's warm, sunny, and dry. But our intelligent tires can extend AV use in areas where weather constantly changes. In fact, this is exactly what we're doing in Canada with our partner Gaddock, an autonomous middle mile B2B logistics provider. The intelligent tire is a powerful innovation, and we believe Goodyear's intelligent tire will be integral to the safety and performance of vehicles as they progress to full autonomy. That's how we see the future. Now, I would tell you we also are the lead, we're also leading the global tire industry in the development of tire sustainability. Our stated goal is to be able to produce a tire made out of 100% sustainable materials by 2030. And I'm pleased to say we're already ahead of our plan. Last month at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, we introduced a tire made of 90% sustainable materials that actually passes DOT tests, meaning you can actually take it on the road and it will perform as you would expect. Now, as we've done this, we've replaced petrochemicals such as carbon black and other non-sustainable materials with bio-friendly alternatives such as methane-based carbon black, soybean oil, rice husk, ash, rice husk ash silica, and even recycled plastic water bottles, just to name a few. Now, as is the case with tire intelligence, our progress on sustainable material leads the tire industry, and I am confident that we're going to reach our goal of 100%. But more than simply changing the products themselves, we've responded to this inflection point by also changing our approach to business. As was mentioned, in 2017, we opened an innovation lab in San Francisco to build our knowledge and expand our vision of what's possible. One of the outcomes was a service called Ango by Goodyear. 
Now, ANGO is a digitally connected platform that monitors real-time status of vehicles in a fleet to schedule service and maintenance. Now, that may not sound like much, but to our customers, which today is a last-mile delivery operation that you probably have in your, front, in your front yards on a regular basis, well, we help them manage their fleets, improve their uptime, and improve their cost per mile, saving them a lot of money while doing this a lot more efficiently, meaning no more paper. And if you think about what they're going through starting up their business, it's making a huge, business, a huge impact being a digitally connected business. And finally, more personal to all of you, our mobile tire installation service, where we come to you for a tire changeover, is an example of Goodyear's response to the trends of technology, connectivity, and convenience. Now, these examples reflect Goodyear's commitment to respond to the inflection point in transportation and mobility, not with one-off tactics, but with a complete strategic approach. And I've only mentioned a few. Now, at the core of that strategy is really helping our customers and consumers do what they do even better. That's what drives us. We're moving from being a tire manufacturing company to a technology-driven mobility company. And our purpose, our purpose is to enable mobility, making life's connections easier every day. That's what we think about. But as much as these innovations and opportunities get me really excited about the future, the world surrounding those changes is becoming more competitive, more volatile, and certainly more unpredictable. The rules of business engagement are being rewritten, but this time in chalk, always temporary and easy to erase. So I'd say if we take a step back following World War II, which itself was an inflection point, the philosophy of liberalism, meaning through democracy, human rights, the rule of law, free speech, compromise, faith in institutions, enabled much of the world that we know to flourish. These were the underpinnings of a largely stable Western-style democracy and strong economies that have served as the model for the rest of the developing world, again, I would say, throughout our lifetimes. That's what we've known and benefited from. Again, though not without fault, this philosophy of liberalism enabled growth and progress and guarded against autocratic forces like the ones that were fought in World War II. There was a strength in the collective commitment to a greater good. But what? What are we seeing today? Well, next week marks the first anniversary of the invasion of Ukraine. Now, while support for Ukraine defense is certainly still strong, the end of the war does not appear to be imminent. Its effects have been devastating to Europe and their economy and certainly beyond that. And a spy balloon may have been a minor distraction, but it's fair to say that the tensions between China and the US, the world's two largest economies by far, are higher than they ever have been in the last 50 years. And supply chain disruptions, again, sparked by a global pandemic, have not completely abated and global trade and commerce are still struggling to rebound. While COVID may have triggered the effect on supply chains, it also exposed a threat to globalization. And it's clear that climate change has far-reaching consequences. Extreme weather conditions led to the flooding in our factories from Thailand to Texas, affecting our production of essential tires and chemicals. Excessive heat creates havoc for power grids, and the frequency of what used to be once-in-a-lifetime events 
have made it difficult to ensure our facilities raising the cost of doing business significantly. Now these realities certainly aren't specific to Goodyear. We're all facing them and certainly you could add to the list of items I just mentioned. And for business leaders, this is the world in which we operate now and I would suggest in the foreseeable future. As much as technology trends present opportunities and again get me excited as we look at them out on the horizon, current global economic and policy concerns make it extremely difficult to operate in many ways. I'd like to highlight just three of them. And the first concern is investment. As a global company, Goodyear's been investing and growing around the world since our inception. It's in our DNA. But more than ever, in today's fluid geopolitical environment, we must intentionally go behind traditional metrics such as return on capital. We have to reevaluate our historical rules on how and where we deploy our resources. Now, I could cite several examples, but a good illustration is Europe. Now, while Europe's always been a high-cost region, circumstances have now taken it to an extreme. The war in Ukraine, Brexit, disruption of energy supply and substantial increases energy costs, decades-high inflation that we're experiencing, and substantial increase in labor costs have contributed to instability that makes it a less attractive place to do business. Now, the second concern is having to balance long-term thinking and the strategic investment to support it versus short-term thinking. That means the investor demands that prioritize immediate results. And as conditions around the world affect investors' appetite for risks, some long-term long strategic investments in certain parts of the world are becoming less attractive. Very simply, I'll give you an example. The migration for us to new mobility is a long-term process, and it will take patience, time, and money. Managing future-looking business models versus delivering short-term performance for investors who have the option to wait and see is a constant challenge that we will have to continue to manage. Now, related to that balance is a third concern, and that's the changing nature of competition. Now, for most of our history, we knew our, our established competitors well. As we used to say down on Market Street, we could look out the front door and see all their signs right down the road. That certainly has changed. Today, state-supported tire companies around the world, some of which you've never heard of, don't have short-term pressure from either investors or governments and seem to have access to unlimited funding. Now, in addition, competition is increasingly coming from non-traditional entities. We're not simply facing the Bridgestones and the Michelins and the like. We find ourselves competing against two MIT grads with a new algorithm who've attracted money from a venture capital firm with no obligation for profitability as far as the eye can see. The shift in the nature of competition means that the benefits of size, scale, and the history of a 125-year-old company like ours can be offset with nimbleness, low cost, and creativity of startups. That's the changed world that we're dealing with, and that's the world of new mobility. So, what impact does this have on Goodyear, and how do we make our way in this changing world? I'm sure you're wondering, and you're probably even wondering more, while I'm excited and confident amidst these changes. And I'm, I'm glad you're wondering, and I like to talk about that a little bit, because I am excited and I am an optimist.
Now, we'll start by looking back at our history. As I said earlier, Goodyear has faced inflection points, critical moments, and disruption events throughout our history. Some of those moments changed the world at large, others were specific to Goodyear. Whether we faced a corporate raider, an oil crisis, or an influx of overseas competition, the company always responded. And we're confident we'll respond again because important elements of the company's DNA are as strong as they ever have been in our 125-year history. And I want to say, I'm not talking about our products, as great as we believe they are. I'm not talking about our science and engineering, critical as they are to everything we do. And I'm not talking about our brand recognition, as strong as it is across the globe. I'm referring to essential qualities that are unseen, but are very real. And they apply to all leaders and all companies throughout history, and certainly today. Now, the first is authentic, humble leadership. And this is not to be confused with the appearance of leadership, which is what too often passes for the real thing. For multiple generations, Goodyear's leadership at all levels of the company has been put to the test. And what has allowed them to rise to every challenge has been a commitment to others ahead of self. Honesty about the real world conditions as they are, not as they wished they would be. A willingness to let go of the known, the comfortable, the familiar past on their front foot toward an unknown, uncomfortable, but aspirational future. And the ability to articulate a direction, a path forward that will inspire confidence, optimism, and energy. And I see all those qualities in our leaders across all our businesses today. And that leads to the second element that helps us meet all these challenges, which is vision. Now, it's easy to see where you're going when the path is obvious. But clear, inspiring vision is needed most when there is no obvious route to your goal. When directional markers are few, and when the old maps are outdated, and maybe most importantly, when your followers start to doubt, or when you're at an inflection point. Now, at Goodyear, we could have brushed off the growth of electric vehicles as a fad. We could have dismissed autonomous, autonomous vehicles as fantasy. We could have considered new competitors to be unrealistic and frivolous. We could have ignored all the risky elements that threaten Goodyear's status quo. All those things might have distracted us from our roadmap if we allowed them to, but we didn't. Vision is what keeps us moving forward. Like leaders before, we articulated a vision of Goodyear's future. It's a future where Goodyear leads in new mobility solutions, not just making tires. Seeks out creative partnerships, not defaulting to the known and familiar. Embraces technology and sustainability, not resisting the uncomfortable. And truly understands the changing needs and aspirations of those we serve, rather than just simply holding on to the past. This is the vision of a vital and energized Goodyear, one that leads in the years ahead with confidence, with courage, and with humility. And the element that makes authentic leadership and inspiring vision possible is resilience. Now in today's global economy, size and scale may no longer be the assets that they once were. Instead, big companies that are successful 
will be the ones that act like small companies. Speed to market, failing fast, detailed consumer insights, focus on convenience, embracing technologies and new business models, innovative partnerships, and much more are the small country company attributes that are required to remain vital today. And I would tell you, that's the Goodyear mindset now. But its approach has been with us since our founding. And I would tell you, aspiration, agility, and responsiveness to change are what create opportunity. But these qualities are not the sole purview of industry. In fact, in 1962, President John F. Kennedy shared his perspective on a new challenge and opportunity by saying something that many of you will remember. In his famous speech, he said, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard. As much as our products, new technologies, and industry-leading services are reasons for optimism, Goodyear's leadership, vision, and resilience inspire us to undertake challenges while not going to the moon are not easy, but they're hard. We have a strong belief that what we do, and we have a strong belief in what we do and why we do it. We believe in the power of collaboration with each other, with our customers, with our suppliers, and with our business partners. We believe in progress rather than regress. We believe that no obstacle is too great for us to overcome. We believe that our reason for being, our purpose, is to make life connections easier every day. And with that as our North Star, we're excited and confident about what the next 125 years hold for Goodyear, regardless of what the world around us looks like. That's how we're approaching the future. Now, before I conclude, I'd like to again thank Raj and Karina for having me here today. As I said, the CCWA is an important part of a dynamic Cleveland and Northeast Ohio. But I would also like to say, before we built our global headquarters back in 2014, we had opportunities to go to multiple different cities. We had lots of opportunities and calls to take our business out of here. And as was mentioned, every other tire company had left Akron, Ohio, as many companies have left Northern Ohio here in total. But we decided to stay with a commitment to Goodyear, a commitment to community, a commitment to the partnerships that we've made here, and we don't regret it at all. I would tell you Akron is our home, Northeast Ohio is our home, and we are proud of it and we share that pride every way we can. And I wanted to end my speech by saying that to all of you because what you're doing here with the CCWA is right in line with that and we're proud to be a part of that. So again, thank all of you for listening to me tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. We'll open up for questions. Yeah, we'll open up for questions. I have a microphone on this side, and my colleague Yenny has a microphone on that side. Please just raise your hand, and we'll bring the microphone to you. I'll take our first question here. Hi. Um, Hello. Thank you for sharing um, your sustainability project. Um, I've been researching a lot on microplastics, and one of 10% of microplastics comes from tire, and I know you mentioned a lot about the sustainability tire, um, but you haven't mentioned um, when the tires will be commercially viable and moving 
we're moving into a transdisciplinary world where it's so important about accessibility, equity, and climate change, which is at such an urgent need. What are Goodyear's plans? Are there any alternatives? Because at a certain point in future, even the sustainable tires are still going to be impactful. So how are we, how are you as a company moving forward? So um, you have, you have a, a lot of questions there, so I'll do my best to try to, to try to touch on each, each one of them. So the first thing I would tell you is, you know, the notion uh, of a sustainable future certainly is a topic uh, that we believe in and certainly is even a topic in our boardroom with regularity. So I would say, I would tell you that right off the, right off the top. Um, secondly, on a sustainable tire, I would tell you, if you go to our website, you can actually buy a sustainable tire that's made of 70% sustainable material today. And, uh, and I would invite anyone who'd like to do that to, 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 to go and actually purchase that tire. So I would tell you, uh, um, as a practical matter, what's holding up, uh, um, and, and I suspect this is true for other industries as well, what's holding up something like a sustainable tire really is around the availability of the right materials in the supply chain to get them. So one of the biggest issues we have, if we find a new material, and typically that new material comes from not only innovation, but many times invention. In other words, it doesn't exist before. So once we come up with that material, then we actually have to find that material and get it in quantities to be able to produce tires uh, of a magnitude that, that would meet the demand that we have for that. And of course, as I suspect you all appreciate, in the near term, uh, uh, that means the cost for us, uh, um, and candidly the price, which maybe we couldn't charge, would be substantially higher than what a normal tire costs today until those material sources and supply chains can be, can be done similar to the way we do them today. And I would tell you, I believe that's going to happen. We only got to, and I, it just because we don't have enough time, we only got to our 90% sustainable tire, not because we have the smartest people alone, but because we've worked very closely with a number of suppliers who want to solve the same problem to be able to come up with those new inventions to be able to make that sustainable tire. So, so a long way to say it will take time for very pragmatic, uh, very pragmatic reasons. But I, I would also tell you it's not only a priority of Goodyear, I'm part of what's called the Tire Industry Project as part of the World Business Council on Sustainable Development. And we, as an industry, are working on similar projects to, uh, to address these issues as well. So I hope, that, I hope that gave you a little bit of color. It's probably been difficult, but how have you adjusted your business with Russia? Um, so, you know, uh, um, how we adjusted our business with Russia. I think the, you know, the, the direct answer is uh, we stopped doing business there shortly after the war started. Now, for us, we didn't have a factory there. We only imported into Russia. And, uh, um, and we, we had, I'll call it 75 to 100 people there that were working for us. And while we stopped importing product in, uh, we kept those individuals on the payroll up to about two months ago, or up to, excuse me, about one month ago. So, you know, we, we did what we thought was the right thing, but we also have a deep commitment to our associates. And, you know, those individuals, the day before the, the, the war started, were, were our teammates, if you will, and we wanted to take care of them, as Goodyear has a history of doing throughout our 125-year our, our past. So, unfortunately, we don't sell tires there anymore. 
uh, but we understand why. I will tell you an interesting fact is I've, I've talked to a lot of people, let's say from, from various countries, and for all the tires we didn't sell and, and other uh, uh, tire companies didn't sell, it, uh, uh, it got filled in with, within a very short period of time from, from other countries that, let's say, aren't, aren't uh, um, uh, of the same mindset, let's say. Uh, hello. Um, hello. I have a question. You're from Northeast Ohio. You're the head of one of the biggest manufacturing companies in Northeast Ohio. What does this region need to do to maintain its economic position in terms of its manufacturing footprint, but also to succeed in the future in terms of attracting investment, both from companies that are here and from companies outside, in this new environment, in terms of all the challenges you're facing economically here in the region? What, can a, what does a company like Goodyear want to see from the regional government, from local governments, the state government, to maintain our competitiveness as a region. Thank you. So it's you know it's a really good question, and and I would suggest, and I again I suspect many of you would have been been asked or, or even answered this question as well. It's a really hard question to answer because I think the one thing that we have in our region are diehard advocates to come to this region. I mean, we all love you know, Northern Ohio, and we all see the benefits of it. And, you know, through my experiences, anytime we get someone to move here, they might come reluctantly, they never want to leave, right? I'm sure you've all had the same experience. So we have this asset and we have to figure out how to leverage it. And to the point, we still, you know, I'll say maybe don't attract as many businesses here as others do. And that's the so-called $64,000 question. And you know, I, I, I don't have a, a, a quick answer to that question. If I would, I think we'd see it already. But I think the one thing that we do have is the desire to solve the problem. And sometimes that's maybe the most important place to start. And I know that the many organizations in, across northeastern Ohio, be it Akron, Cleveland, uh, Canton, you, you know, Youngstown, what have you, we all know that we need to do this. And, you know, I think about it, and the one thing I do think is that, you know, maybe we have to not only think of ourselves as manufacturing companies, but also as as companies that are really technology companies with manufacturing components to it. And I think that is something that may attract more people to to want to come here. And I will tell you, our job hasn't gotten easier with the notion of not having to work in the location of your employer. You know, this is something that makes uh, uh, makes it harder even for our region to attract people here. Um, that doesn't bother me. I would tell you at Goodyear, uh, we, you know, we, listen, we may not be able to hire an engineer out of Southern California, but, you know, we find engineers and finance people and HR people and so on and so forth from around the country who want to come here because they believe in our mission and our purpose. And when they get here, as I said, they don't want to leave. So we have very many assets. We just need to keep selling as we go forward. And I, I know that's not the best answer, but I don't think it I don't think there's a single thing that we can do. I think we just have to keep at it and I think we're going to make progress as we have. Hey, Robin. Sorry. Hey, Richard. How are you, How are you tonight? Good. Thank you. Um, I have two questions. Um, and one is when a girlfriend of mine called me up and she says, invest in this tire company because you will no longer ever have to fill it with air. You know, it will no longer go flat on you. Um, just 
on my way in tonight, I saw a gentleman holding his tire outside the doors of this facility, um, juggling, trying to put a tire onto his vehicle. So that's one question is, um, do you make those products? And because um, I haven't looked into your company recently, um, which I will. And then the other one is, how do you um, address the um, recycling these tires? As I drive down Euclid, I see piles and piles of tires past um, Lakeview Cemetery. Um, and, and I know that the piles get high. So I was wondering how you address recycling. Sure. So to the answer to the first question, we do make a tire called a non-pneumatic tire, an NPT, and, the, and a non-pneumatic tire actually is, is functioning very well um, in two places. We actually have it live. Does anyone have any kids at University of Michigan or I think Bowling Green by chance? You, you'll see these uh, uh, bots going around. You'll see these bots going around that deliver you know, pizzas and everything else to these kids. They were going through uh, 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 tires that they had faster. It was their biggest business problem to solve. We have a non-pneumatic tire, a sustainable non-pneumatic tire that we put on that vehicle for them, and it's sort of our start to figuring out how non-pneumatic tires can actually get to vehicles. Um, so it's been very successful so far, and we've solved a big problem for them, and you'll see more of it. Now, on a vehicle, uh, I would tell you there's absolutely a role for a tire like that where you won't get a flat, and, and it's really tires fit for purpose. And this is how you should think about even from a sustainability perspective. If you think about your tire, you have a casing and a tread that's this thick. When the tread goes down, you tend to get rid of the whole tire, right? That's not an efficient way to manage a, a product or to manage how the tire is taken care of post or end, end, of, uh, end of life, if you will. A non-pneumatic tire uh, well, let me add one more thing. A tire that you're driving on, regardless of whether you're driving, you know, 5,000 miles a year in a city not going over 25 miles an hour, uh, your tire has to be tested to certain DOT and NHTSA standards that test it to conditions that go way, way beyond that, to speeds of 150 miles an hour with low pressure that you'll, you'll never drive in, whatever. Tom knows that they're, they're pretty onerous, right? You'll never drive in those conditions. So, so what we see is a future where you have tires fit for purpose. So if you're going to drive from you know, Cleveland Heights to downtown Cleveland and you know that's going to be your path, a non-pneumatic tire could be a perfect green alternative to do that because you're not going to go high speeds, you're not going to take a lot of corners, and you're not going to, and you might hit some potholes, but a non-pneumatic tire is a better answer for something like that. So think about one solution to that question is tires fit for purpose, and I think that's what you're seeing. And we've actually ridden non-pneumatic tires on uh, BMWs at high speeds on highways, and they've actually performed very well. They're not as soft as, as the tires you have, but they're actually working. So you'll see more non-pneumatic tires with the passage of time. So that's actually pretty exciting. I didn't get a chance to talk about that. Now the question on retreads, or, or the question on tires and tire recycling coming out, I would say the single most thing that you can do on tires for uh, uh, their end-of-life use is to retread them, meaning you use them more than once. Trucks do that and, and will retread a tire up to four times. That's a really good answer from an environmental perspective that you can, you can use that tire in. Then make that, that casing with sustainable materials. It gets even better as you move along. Now, Robin, what I would tell you, and, I, and I'm saying this serious and I certainly won't name names, you will find, you will rarely find 
nowadays that some of the, let's say, the major name brand tire companies' tires are treads are coming off or things like that. Those are probably one and done use tires that are coming in from overseas that aren't, let's say, of the same uh, um, uh, uh, performance, meet the same performance characteristics. So I think those are what you're seeing on the side of the highways, if I, if I, if I may uh, uh, take a guess at what you're seeing there. Um, so the answer really is sustainable tires, retread them if you can, but from a passenger perspective, I dare say none of you want to drive on a retreaded passenger tire right now. There's kind of a stigma to it. Uh, um, and I would tell you if you wanted to, we can't do it anymore, and here's the reason, because most of those tires are already used in other functions. So for us to go buy those, to keep those tires, it actually would cost us more than you would be willing to pay for that tire. It would be quite expensive for us to take the tire away, the casing away from what it's being used for today. And that's a problem we're actually trying to work on. The other element is on a retread tire, this is more than you want to know, Robin, but on a retread tire, you know, there's a number, and, and I'll actually make it simpler. You know, most of our fathers or, or mothers who went and got a tire 30, 40 years ago went to the gas station and there was a tire in the back room to get it. Today, you're waiting, and you've probably all experienced this, maybe two, three, four days to get your tire because it's a unique size, a unique tire on a unique model of car. Well, as that happens, and, and you know, on some vehicles, they might only ship in or make, we may only make 20,000 of a tire of a certain run, right? Or maybe 5,000, depending on the vehicle. So when you need a retread for that tire, you can't find it. It doesn't exist. So the complexity in our industry, the complexity around recycling, is still a big problem to be solved. And until we solve those problems, again, one way to do it, which is why we're working on it, is with sustainable materials. That's a really hard issue to solve, uh, um, to, to solve the, what you're saying, Robin. So hopefully that adds probably more than you want it to know, but it's a, it's a difficult problem to solve. Um, how is the uh, political climate with China, the economic and political tensions with China affecting your business, and what are you doing to deal with that? So it's, it's, actually, a, a, you know, it's actually a great question, and Karina, you have people much more qualified for me to answer this at the macro level, but I'll, I may say a few things. Um, the first thing I will say is, is Goodyear's been in China since 1994. And we've had 100% owned business there since then, which is, which is somewhat unusual for, for doing business there. Um, I would tell you, in terms of, this may or may not surprise you, I don't know, but in terms of our workforce, uh, quality of product, and, and even ease of doing business with, I would say the experiences we've had are second to none. The efficiency in which things get done, uh, uh, the, 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 the the work ethic of the people we have there is tremendous. And add to that the biggest car market in the world that's only growing and has huge technological advantages to it. You know, a serious question that we always have to ask ourselves is how can you, can you afford not to be there? It's a, it's, a, it's a hard question to answer. And it's a wonderful business, wonderful workers, uh, our reputation is very strong, and people want to work for us because of even the, the sort of the reputation that, that Goodyear has as a, as a global company. Um, so I would say, by and large, we really like our business there. Having said that, we understand that, uh, that we have relations to countries that are, that are working through a difficult time. Um, you know, I don't know how that will end. I think, 
you know, more and more as supply chains, globalization of supply chains sort of bifurcates, where you're doing more local for local than globalization. I think that's in our mind. And, and I should say our business, almost 100% is China for China. It's not China for export. So, you know, so our business in China for China is something that we think about, you know, managing like that, but that's not really new. That's how we've, all, we've always managed it. Uh, so if something were to happen, which we hope it doesn't, um, you know, we'll, we, have to, we have to deal with that. I would also tell you though, and here's where, you know, Karina, if I get over my skis, you can cut my mic off here. Um, you know, there are economic benefits that China needs to work through right now as well. A demographic problem, an economic growth problem, uh, you know, um, um, uh, an issue of making sure their citizens each year, you know, as they think about it each year, you know, the next year is better than the previous one. They have to manage through all those things, and it's very hard for them to do it alone as well. So as much as there's tensions that we all read about and see about in a balloon and this and that, you know, we also know, and again, I'm not privy to this, you know, President Biden and, 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 uh, uh, and Xi were supposed to meet prior to that, and I think that meeting was, again, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not privy to this, but I think that meeting was more toward how do we come out of this COVID period of difficulty and, and maybe take tensions down rather than, rather than have them get worse. And, and hopefully that's the case because that's a better answer than having a, having a conflict, but that, you know, that, that remains to be seen. So I think we all sit here and uh, as businesses and say, okay, we have to pay close attention and, uh, um, and as I said, manage through whatever tumultuousness that we have and I'm confident that, uh, um, that, we're, that we know how to do it. Not just as Goodyear, but, but as U.S. businesses, I really believe we know how to, uh, how to work through those situations and I, and I believe that, uh, that we will. Mr. Kramer, good evening. Thank good you evening. so much for your very wonderful speech. Uh, this wasn't going to be my comment at all, but I lived in China for six years, and we're just coming back. I ran the American Chamber of Commerce there. Ah. So I can just say good year, at least in Shanghai and Beijing. In Shanghai, are yeah. Loved mm -hmm. and, uh, see, I, I, loved I, I, see, you proved I was telling the truth. So. <laughs> they are. They're a very loved company. All the dim sum company, all the little dim sum places have big Goodyear signs above them. So it's a very popular brand. Uh, so uh, I'd like to start with a comment. Uh, I just want to say how appreciative I am that you introduced Goodyear as being competitive as well as collaborative. Any of us who've been in business for many years know that all the leaders consider themselves to be very competitive, which was great for the short run. But for us, I think to win in the lo long run, it's all about collaboration. And to be collaborative takes a lot of courage. Uh, because you really don't know what the inflection points are coming up, but you have to collaborate, and that's where creativity uh, comes between all the parties. So my question today is from my 11th grader who couldn't be here. She's a junior at Hawken, and uh, obviously, like all our kids, very interested in climate change, and she wanted to know, because her dad works for a tire company too, my husband works for Dealer Tire, uh. so her whole thing is, you know, what is Mr. Kramer and his group of people who work in tire industries doing for climate change? What was uh, their input in the CEO I think 27 mm -hmm. uh, recently, mm -hmm. and what are the big strategic things? So she really wanted me to ask the question of you. No, it's good. Well, you know, if, if so, maybe I'll, I'll take it in reverse. Again, from a sustainability perspective, number one is our product. 
to make sure that we're, we're creating a product that, that is sustainable going forward and we're leading the industry. You can, you can tell, but, but we're leading the industry. We're number one with sustainable materials and product. That's important in terms of end of life of that tire, but it's also important because our customers and again, not getting into too much. If you know, if, the, if you you know, you talk about the different uh, uh, goals around uh, uh, climate, you have sort of defined a scope one, scope two, scope three. Let's say I won't go through that, but scope three. Let's it's oversimplify and saying it. How are products you're using getting to you, or how does uh, how to how are you delivering products, or or how are they being used? Not just what you're making, but how are you consuming your, your delivering raw materials to your factory as an example and all this. So for us to have sustainable products for all our customers, trucking companies, OEs, everything else, helps them meet their uh, scope three requirements as well. So we view them, we view ourselves as a partner by us creating a sustainable tire to be able to help them do what they need to do as well. So that's one thing. Uh, second thing, you know, for us, uh, we have a whole program around what we do in our factory. So we've been zero waste to landfill forever, I think, and, and Laura can help me. I think all of our European plants now are supported with sustainable energy, and I think, if I'm, if I'm correct, and we're moving uh, to do that in Asia and other places in the U.S. as well. So there's a push to make sure we're, 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 uh, we're getting energy from clean sources. Um, uh, uh, and then if we, if we I, again, I could go into a lot of that, but then as we move off of there, we're also doing things like on our building. So our building is LEED certified. All the new buildings we have are LEED certified. The materials we use, everything else is, is, is supportive of that. So I kind of look at it as our products, our factories, and then everything else we do. And, and we're trying to do that as our initiative called Goodyear Better Future. And that's how, and she can read about, I think it was a daughter you said, she can read about that online about all the initiatives that we do there. And, and if I could, your comment on collaboration, I think is a really important one. I talked a little bit about intelligent tire, but if you think about what we have to do with an intelligent tire, it's not really about the tire. For us, that's the easy part. It's about how do we get data, how do we manage data, how do we create APIs to connect with everything that we have to connect to, uh, how do we write code to go do that, and I could go on, and I see heads nodding, you know, we don't know how to do all that. And, and if we ever try to do that ourselves, it'll be another 125 years before we figure it out, right? So the only way we solve these problems of today really is to have collaborations with companies, people, organizations that know how to do that. And that really is, I, I completely agree, it's a different muscle than, than saying, you know, if, if not made here, well, it can't be any good. And I will tell you, you know, that's a, that's a Goodyear Pass muscle. Well, if, if we didn't do it, it can't be, you know, it can't be any good. Well, good luck trying to, you know, think about how you get, you know, the knowledge of a data scientist in-house from someone we moved from, you know, HR or sales over to, to you know, IT. It doesn't work. You have to collaborate. And that's, that's a new way of thinking that we have. Well, Mr. Kramer, that's an excellent review of the company. Uh, the financial analysts must love you because you're doing <laughs> a really great job. But you, asked, you, you captured the essence of the company by calling it, uh, calling it a technology-driven mobility company. So that was a great catchphrase. But you only gave three instances of how, what that means, and two of them are fairly general. Uh, research Center in California, uh, the, uh, uh, the new installation services at home, which mm -hmm. I'm not sure you've done it yet, 
and then a focus on consumer need. Could you flesh out those a little bit more and give more details? So, what do you mean by that term? So, so you know, um, I guess the way I think about it is, instead of making a, uh, um, excuse the term, but a you know a dumb round and black tire that you put on a vehicle and when it goes away it's done. What we're doing is infusing the tire with technology. That tire then can connect with the vehicle. In fact, it can not only connect with the vehicle, it actually makes the vehicle perform better and safer. So for example, our intelligent tires can actually stop a vehicle 30% uh, faster than without it. And, and one of the reasons is, if you think about this, and you've asked me to get into a little detail, I will. Um, when your ABS system, for instance, stops, it's essentially stopping using a definition of a tire when it's new. So when your tire is half-worn and it's on an icy road, that ABS system is working off math that says it's a new tire. Well, it's, not, it's not really new anymore. So what we're able to do with technology is to not only read the state of the tire, you know, pressure, temperature, load, and what's happening on the road, and share ultimately real-time to give that information to a vehicle to be able to make it drive better, safer, and perform going forward. Uh, that's a lot of information. Now, when we have that information, uh, um, we're beyond the tire now. So what we do with that information is we share that information, for instance, with fleets. And what a fleet, do with, what a fleet will do with that information, again, think of uh, temperature, pressure, load, and wear. We can now tell them predictively when they're going to have tire failures. We can, we can stop them from getting in accidents. Uh, we can allow them to drive without a driver and do deliveries at night rather than doing it at the high point of congestion in an afternoon. So once we have this data and this ability to work with fleets because of all the information we have, those fleets ideally don't look at us as someone that, that we argue over price of this, this tire or this tire. They look at us and say, you're making my business do better. You're keeping me up and running longer. You're reducing my cost per mile. You're reducing the times that I'm going to be on the side of the road. You're reducing my CO2 footprint because now I, I'm not going to be congested. And by the way, uh, the, the most reason that, that trucks particularly break down are tire failures. Not a bad tire, but because a tire hit a curb or hit a pothole or hit whatever, and that causes traffic, which causes congestion, which causes everything else. So when you think about what we can do to make that happen, that's providing data, service, and technology to those companies to allow them to be more profitable. And for instance, if you're, you're a, a last mile delivery company or a company sending a product online to a consumer, we can help that company get the product to you when you want it at a lower cost and higher efficiency. That's a way we think about what our business can morph to as opposed to just, you know, I just, I, I, I got a flat tire, give me a new one, give me the cheapest one in the back. So that, that in, in, the, in the most simple way I can do it, is how we think about becoming a, a technology-driven mobility company rather than simply just selling a tire. This will be our last question. Thank you for your insightful remarks. Thank you. Uh, Two-part question. Uh, number one, could you comment upon the reshoring phenomena, either from the Goodyear perspective or from those organizations where you uh, have a business leadership role? And closely tied to that, you mentioned that the world is becoming a riskier place to do business. Uh, do you demand more from your international business portfolio or spoken like a financial geek? Have you increased the hurdle rate on your international portfolio? 
Thank you. Sure. So th the answer to the to the to the, uh, um, uh, to the first question on reshoring, um, so tires for us are largely made where they're sold. I mean, a little bit cross-border in the Americas, but we largely make them where they're sold because transporting them, while certainly possible, adds incremental costs that would make it less, a low-cost footprint somewhere else would make it less competitive to ship over here. Depends on how, how expensive your factory is in a certain country, but by and large, we do that. The issue that we, and, and that means we're already to a degree practicing reshoring. The issue becomes, and this is you know, the message we send to Washington all the time, we just want a level playing field. And, and oftentimes, what we see are products coming in at, at, uh, um, at, at sometimes our raw material cost. And, and this becomes a really difficult question. And then, and then sometimes those will morph, as they have with tires, into tariffs and things like this. And, and that, that, you know, that makes sense to solve that problem. But you know, it's the whack-a-mole game. Then someone will say, well, now it makes sense for me to build a new factory in the US. And most of the time, when someone comes to build a factory in the US, it's, you know, I, I always I say to, to our investors, just because you build four walls and put some machines in there doesn't mean you know how to do business here. You've got replacement business, you have OE business, you know, OE tires are really, the, the tire on your new car is different than the tire you're buying in replacement because it's meeting a spec that that OE wanted. That's a really hard tire to make. So uh, what happens when new companies come into the market because they're not onshoring anymore, they try to make a tire for the OE business. It takes them sometimes you know, uh, two to make one, sometimes five to make one. What do, we, what do they do with those tires? They ship them in the replacement market. What does that do? It, it's the same effect of sending in, and when they put them in the replacement market, they sell them for cheap. That, that's, that's a headwind that we have to deal with, similar to sending in tires offshore cheap. So the reshoring question in our industry is, is a difficult one. I will tell you where we do benefit and support it is reshoring on raw materials and inputs like that, because that has become very disrupted because of the war in Ukraine and because of the supply chain issues around COVID, particularly getting materials from places like China over here. So reshoring uh, inputs for us is, I think, something we really support. Tires, we fight that battle every day, and I don't, I don't have a, you know, a good answer for that. And then the question on, uh, um, on the hurdle rates, we haven't, I, I, I wouldn't say we raised the hurdle rates, but what I would tell you, is from an investor perspective, if we look you know, to, to say we want to expand overseas, our investors very clearly will look at that money and say it costs you, you know, $800 million, a billion dollars to, to, to put up a factory, and it might take you four years to get a return. It, you know, their question might be maybe not so much the hurdle rate. Well, I don't want to wait four years. What else can you do with that billion dollars now rather than waiting? And that's a, that's a question we, we frequently ask. And that's a question on investing in the future versus trying to balance the short term now. And that, that's something we deal with regularly. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Carter. Appreciate it.